0: This is In the Moment. I am your host, Mohamed Ramadan, owner and founder of Ramadan and Associates, a Chicago-based law firm focusing on business and personal injury law. Listen in as we discuss everyday legal topics, a legal podcast made for everyday people, not just lawyers. What's up, everybody? This is Mo Ramadan, and you're listening to In the Moment. And today's episode, we're going to talk about something that I really, really, really love doing and that's contracts, right? So, you know, I do a lot of business law. I represent a lot of different business clients and we do a ton of contract work, whether it's drafting, reviewing, negotiating, and, um, you know, I'm just a total contract nerd. I I really enjoy it. Um, There's just something about, you know, an agreement going from verbal going, putting it on paper, going through edits and, and kind of crafting uh, this document. And when it's done, you just kind of look at it and just like, wow, you know, it's finally done. So, yes, I am a nerd. I am a geek and I do enjoy it. Um, so what I wanted to do today was kind of speak in that realm, but wanted to have a little fun with it, right? Like contract law is not the most uh, sexy topic. Right? I understand that. and not most Most people are not dorks and nerds like me about it. But I figured there is a really fun side to it. And it's the side that people kind of hear about, they know about, but they don't know that these are actual legally binding contracts. So I wanted to talk about some of the crazy, funny, weird uh, contract clauses and some athletes' contracts. And then I want to talk about some crazy celebrity rider contracts and what they have in there. Um, these are things that I always kind of look at, and I just either chuckle or I'm just kind of in shock. But reading an artist writer can really tell you about that artist. So I thought it'd be a little bit, uh, be fun and cool to kind of go over some of these things. So I'm going to start off with the main one that everybody knows about, even if you're not a sports fan. (laughs) Um, so it happens every July 1st and July 1st is called the Bobby Bonilla day. So those of you that already know about this, know what I'm going to talk about, but it's the Bobby Bonilla contract. So who is Bobby Bonilla? He was a baseball player, um, played for the New York Mets. Um, At one point, you know, he was arguably, I don't want to say the best player, but one of the top players in, in baseball. He got a really huge contract uh, to play for the uh, New York Mets. So he's with the Mets and, you know, years go by. uh, He has, I think, a year or two left on his contract, but they wanted to clear up some cap space. Or I'm sorry, not cap space. They wanted to clear up some money. So uh, they basically dropped him from the team. They owed him roughly $6 million left on his contract so they didn't want to spend the cash to pay bobby bonilla uh, for his buyout so they decided you know what let us defer this money and we'll give you an eight percent interest and the payments will start in 2011. so now let's fast forward starting 2011 he gets 1.19 million every july 1st for the next 25 years And he's been getting that check uh, faithfully every July 1st. It's Bobby Bonilla Day. And basically what the New York Mets or what their intention was, was, hey, we're kind of cash strapped. We don't want to use our cash flow to pay this guy out to not play for our team. So, you know what? Let's just defer the money. We'll give him an 8% interest, which is a very high interest rate. And... You know, we're going to be making money, so it's not going to be a big deal. We'll pay them that 1.1 um, going forward. Now, why were they so confident in their cash flow going forward? And this is a funny, crazy twist to it. They were, well, allegedly, or they thought they were making a ton of money with Mr. Bernie Madoff. Yep, they were working with Bernie Madoff. And we all know he had a big Ponzi scheme, I think $50, 60000000000 billion Ponzi scheme. And they were, you know, they thought they were making money with Bernie Madoff. So they said, huh, you know what? 8% interest. We'll be able to cover it. We're getting a much greater return off Bernie Madoff. So it won't be a problem. Boom. Bernie Madoff gets exposed. They lose a shit ton of their wealth. And now the new ownership of the New York Mets has Bobby Bonilla on their uh, uh, investment sheet. I'm sorry, their uh, payroll sheets uh last year i think he was the 6th or 7th highest paid player on their payroll and he hasn't played since 2000 um so bobby bonieu gets 1.19 million dollars for 25 years after you do the math uh the original deal was supposed to be for about 5.9 almost 6 million uh once he's done being paid he'll be paid up to uh 73 he'll be 73 years old when the final payment hits in and the contract amounts will equal out about twenty nine point two million dollars, so he went from a six million dollar buyout to getting a one point one over a span of twenty five years and basically getting roughly twenty nine and some change. That's a hell of a deal for uh, Mr. Bobby Bonilla. And this just goes to show you how sometimes in contracts, a little foresight, a little risk, a little gamble can pay off really big. And also goes to show that um, some of these sports team owners get really cocky and arrogant and it backfired. So that's the Bobby Bonilla story. Um, So July 1st, when you hear people say it's Bobby Bonilla Day, that's why. Uh, because every year he still gets his 1.19 million dollars. Now, the next one I want to talk about is probably my favorite one. Uh, no surprise, it's a Michael Jordan story. But um, I love this one. It says so much about Mike, and it just kind of—it's just pure Mike. So MJ had what's called a love of the game clause. Okay, so what is the love of the game clause? Most sports teams um, and the owners and whoever negotiates on their behalf. Insert clauses into an athlete's contract that forbids them from doing activities that can risk their health or risk them getting injured, okay? So, you know, teams are looking at it. Hey, man, we're giving you $100 million, $200 million to play for us. We need you at peak performance. Um, you can't be out there, you know, going on jet skis. So, you know, a lot of sports contracts say you can't do jet skis, uh, you can't skydive, you can't play basketball, uh, scrimmage basketball, you can't play tag football. I mean, you know, some teams actually list them. Some just say, um, you know, activities that can get you hurt. However, they phrase it. But basically, most athletes have a clause in their contract that does not allow them to do these kinds of activities in risk of getting hurt, and the team's losing out on a major investment. So here comes MJ and you guys, you know, if anybody knows anything about MJ, uh, you know, he was a competitor. Uh, he loved the game of basketball. So he made his agent uh, put in a, a love of the game clause. And what does the love of the game clause say? It basically allows and says that Michael Jordan can play basketball anytime, any place, anywhere with anyone. So, if Mike wants to go play a scrimmage basketball game, he's allowed to do so. If Mike wants to shoot hoops in his backyard with his friends, he's allowed to do so. If he wants to play pickup basketball on the streets, Mike is allowed well was allowed to do so. And, you know, this was important because most athletes would never get that privilege, right? But it's MJ, right? MJ was just MJ, and he basically told him, I'm gonna play anyways." So, please put this in my clause. Now, why is this important, right? Uh, you might think, well, yeah, like you said, it's MJ. Who gives a shit? I mean, you know, the, uh, the Bulls would never have gotten rid of MJ if he, you know, they saw him playing pickup basketball. Well, sure, that's MJ. But what you have to consider is once an athlete starts to decline, these teams are going to look for every single potential route to void the contract to get out of paying this athlete who's no longer performing at peak level. So, let's take MJ out the picture. If you had another athlete... Who, in their prime, was a top five athlete in their, you know, respective sport, and they sign a long-term contract, and maybe the last three, four years of their contract, where they're getting paid a big sum of money, they're not really performing, and if they don't have a love of the game clause, and then they're out there, and you know, with today's technology, with uh, cameras and everything, they are seen playing pickup basketball with someone, and that violates their contract. Well, that team is going to use that and say, hey, guy, you violated your contract. Therefore, it's now null and void. We are going to drop you and we're not responsible. We're not on the hook for the remainder of your contract just off playing a pickup game of basketball. So they're going to look at every little thing. So Mike was probably like, look, let's just be on the safe side. I want to play whenever I want to play. I love the game of basketball. So David Falk, make sure you put this in my contract. And everyone knows about MJ's love of the game clause. Uh, it's very infamous. Um, and it just goes to show you the competitive nature of Mike. Um, there's so many stories of him just just pulling up to gyms, random gyms, and just playing pickup basketball. And, and I just love the fact that he really just wanted to play and it's just his competitive vibe. So that is the love of the game MJ clause. Now, uh, there's... One funny one um, that I wanted to bring up, uh, it's another baseball one, and it's by the player called Roly Fingers. This is uh, 1973, so Roly Fingers basically had this really cool, funky, crazy mustache, one of those that like curls, like the cartoon types, and it was like a big draw, and it was kind of you know big for him and his aura and his kind of uh, brand per se, so the team started to see it as, oh, that could be a good marketing thing, and he saw it as well. Now, keep in mind, this is 1973, but in his contract in 1973, it included a $300 bonus to continue growing his mustache. And they also added an extra $100 to purchase mustache wax. So I thought that was kind of funny. You know, and the team looked at it as, you know, it's a good branding, marketing thing. But they actually put in his contract that he's uh, getting a certain amount of funds to upkeep his mustache, uh, which I thought was actually pretty funny. Uh, Another one that was interesting, uh, Neymar, a soccer player. Now, we all know soccer players get these massive deals and transfer fees and and whatnot. And Neymar, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but I know Neymar was really, really big. And uh, when he went to, I think, Barcelona, uh, so when Barcelona, he negotiated with Barcelona, there was a lot of terms in his contract. Uh, But there was one thing he did. He looked out for his homies. So, basically, he put in his contract that barcelona has to every two months fly all his friends out so he doesn't get have to stay uh by himself and be all alone uh when he moves so every two months uh the homies get in a flight barcelona covers the cost and his friends get to go and hang out with him not only that they have to pay for the flights first class flights in addition to that the team is responsible for all their food and accommodations the entire time that Neymar's friends are visiting him. So I actually really liked this. I thought it was cool um, in the sense that, hey, you want me to come? You know what? The fact that he thought about his friends and, and you know, wanted them to be a part of it. You know, a lot of these guys grow up in, in really, really, really poor um, communities. You know, somebody, a lot of these Brazilian soccer players were born with, like, just uber poor And the fact that, you know, he made it and not only didn't forget his his friends, he made it a contractual obligation to the team to take care of his friends. So kudos to uh, Neymar for that. Um, So that one was actually really cool. Another interesting one uh, back to the NFL is we haven't touched NFL yet, actually. So the NFL one that I thought was most interesting was Des Bryant. And any football fan knows Des Bryant, uh, superb athlete, great talent, um, just had a lot of off-the-field issues and, and some on-the-field issues, uh, but he was very erratic. So the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, did everything in their power to really try to, quote-unquote, keep him in line, or however they want to say it. So in his contract in 2012, they added uh, these terms. Uh, one stipulation was he's not allowed to have or drink any alcohol, He must attend counseling sessions twice a week. He must have a private security team, and he will have a midnight curfew. Imagine being a grown-ass man, an athlete, a millionaire, and your boss gets to tell you by contract what your curfew is, which in this case is is midnight. Um, That's wild. And Now it gets even more wild. It goes further, and it also says that he is banned from... Any and all strip clubs and nightclubs that are not approved by the Dallas Cowboys. So imagine your employer being able to tell you, nah, that strip club's a little too trashy, but you can go to this strip club. Like, you know, I'm I'm making fun, but it just just goes to show you how dumb and lucrative some of these uh, contract clauses can, can be at times, and these players sign it, you know, I mean, these are... Again, these are contractual obligations that are in your contract that if you violate them, can't void your contract. So this is not just a, hey, Des, can you please stay away? No, this is in your contract. And if you fuck it up, we're going to void your contract and we're going to get rid of you. So that's why they actually put them in their contract. So. That's the sports side of things. Um, there's there's plenty more, but these were kind of some of my favorites and the ones that I've always liked, and, and I've actually read some of these clauses, and they're pretty interesting when you read them. You know, it, it, it's funny because you'll read the clause, and it's just like these, you know, this verbiage and this legal language and it's just like oh so you're just telling dude he can't go to the strip club but you just said it in like three paragraphs and made it sound like super sophisticated when in reality you're just saying dude you can't go to strip clubs so when you read some of these clauses it's kind of funny how sophisticated they make it sound because they know some of their asks are just really stupid so they kind of cover it up now the other thing i wanted to get into besides the athletes and you know people are very some people are aware of these but. I want to talk about these crazy celebrities, right? Everyone talks about these Hollywood uh, actors and actresses. So, and and musicians and, and, and performers. So basically when they go on tour, they go on set or, you know, they're on a show, They send along what's called a rider. And a rider is basically a contract to the uh, venue that they're going to. And the artist gets to put a list of all their requirements that they're asking to be in their room or service or whatever it is that they're asking for. So it's basically telling the venue, here's the artist, here's what they want. And they give them a whole list. So it's basically... Uh, presented to the promoters uh, by every touring act, it details specifications, stage design, sound system, lighting, as well as artist's wish list, right? So, we're going to talk about the wish list. All right? We don't care about the stage design, sound system, uh, but some of the wish lists are rather funny or crazy. So, we're going to start off with Miss the Queen Mary J. Blige. This one really caught me off guard. Um, so I looked up her, one of her writers and in her writer, it basically demands that any venue she goes to, whether it's the hotel or the performing venue or anywhere she goes, that they must bring in a brand new toilet and be installed at all the venues that she's going to be at. Yes, she wants brand new toilets every time she goes to any venue. So whether that's the hotel whether it's the uh, performing venue, whether it's her uh, backstage room, whatever they call that, they, uh, Miss Mary J. Blige expects brand new toilet seats, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, speaking of germaphobes, we have one really big germaphobe, which I didn't know, uh, Justin Timberlake. I know he's been in the news lately, he's been in some hot water, uh, but... The guy seems to be a huge germaphobe. So according to his writer, and again, these are actual writers that they send in and get signed off on. um, He requires someone to disinfect doorknobs of any backstage venue or hotel he's in every two hours. So they have to designate one person every two hours, go and disinfect every doorknob that the man touched or will touch uh, during his time there. He also demands that he has an elevator to himself when nobody's allowed in there with him. And he also requests the entire floor of the hotel be uh, booked off and nobody's allowed on that floor but himself and his staff. Uh, So the germaphobe artist really asks for some crazy things. Now, let's talk about bad breakups. Um, So in these writers, you can literally put anything. And I mean anything anything you want, you can think of. Um, so Selena Gomez, and I looked up her writer. (laughs) So post her 2014 breakup with Justin Bieber, she put in her writer that nobody in the crew, staff, or anybody in that building can go by the name of Justin. She was that upset that she didn't even want anybody to be named Justin. So what happened, and I did a little more research on this because I thought it was very interesting and funny. So come to find out, at one venue, there was like three or four crew members whose name were Justin. So she made them find nicknames. She was not going to call them Justin. She didn't want to hear anybody call them Justin. She didn't want to hear the name Justin. So she actually forced them to pick nicknames, and that's what people called them the entire time that she was there. So Selena Gomez, that's some that's that's high on the petty list, uh, in my opinion, but hey, they want you there and you make your demands and they oblige, then so be it. Uh, speaking of petty, um, and I hate to kind of dump on the guy because I know he just passed away recently, but Dustin Diamond, um, in his writer, it clearly states that there will be no references to his teen alter ego, which we all know is Screech from Saved by the Bell. I, apparently, he got typecast from that. He didn't like it. All people knew him as was Screech and not as an actor. So, I guess it really pissed him off. Um, so, he put in his writer that you're not allowed to call him Screech. And he went even further. If anybody, if any staff or crew or anybody calls him Screech, <laughs> he institutes a $100 fine for every time he's called Screech and the promoter has to pay that. Yeah, $100. Um, so, that was... Uh, pretty interesting to me now there was one and i guess i'm not that surprised um by will farrell so i looked up will farrell i'm like you know this guy's weird funny eyes like you know i was curious i was like you know what what is this guy and have his rider and his contracts so when i looked at his rider um this is literally what i read um items included an electric three-wheel mobility scooter a flight of stairs on wheels a fake tree on wheels, and a rainbow on wheels. These were actually listed in his writer. And, you know, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you know, what the hell is this guy doing? I know he's a little crazy. I know he's a little weird sometimes. But, you know, what's going on here? So I kind of did a little research. And I found something where basically he says I we kind of did it as a joke. And we want to see who was dumb enough to actually provide us with this stuff. And he said, believe it or not, at some venues they did and basically they get a good chuckle out of the idiot that brings a a three-wheel mobility scooter and a flight of stairs on wheels to his room, and basically him and his crew just kind of get a laugh on the stupidity of people actually believing that he would want that stuff. So I thought that was really funny, but it just goes to show you how important and real these contracts are that the promoters want to honor their requests. Now, sometimes... Uh, artists can be picky for a reason. There's, uh, come to find out there's a strategic reason for it. So Van Halen was infamous for in the eighties, uh, that one of his writers, um uh, and this is official. I, I, I looked it up. I saw the writer basically in his writer, it states that he wants a bowl of M&Ms and he wants all the Brown M&Ms picked out of the bowl and, and taken out. Now, you know, everyone here is Dan and says, oh, you know, typical celebrities, spoiled little brat, blah, 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 whatever we think of. And, you know, I kind of thought that to him, like, all right, dude, that's kind of being a little bit too much. And I'm like, you know, what's wrong with brown M&Ms? Brown M&Ms are good. Like, I like all M&Ms. Like, I don't get the color thing in M&Ms, but I, I go on a tangent there. But Van Halen basically said that's a test for him. And, and I like his philosophy. And basically he says, look, if I'm going to be this picky... I want to know if the promoter is paying attention to the details. Because if he's not paying attention to the details in these small bag of M&Ms, they're not paying attention to detail on my sound system, my staging, my lighting, which is extremely important for these artists. So it's a way for artists like him to see the level of preparedness of the promoter. So I thought that was actually a really cool thing just to throw these little kind of testers in there. And for him, it's basically, hey, if I get to my room and there's still brown M&Ms, that means they didn't really pay attention to the detail. Now I got to really worry about the stage. But if I see the brown M&Ms are gone, well, then you know what? This promoter seems like they're paying attention to what they're doing. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, So these are just some of the ones that I thought were either interesting, funny, cool. But the premise of it for me was just to show people how important your contracts are. I mean, there's just so much um, that goes into these, and one small mistake can make or break you. Um, Go look up the Oxford comma story. There's actually a lawsuit, and because the statue was missing an Oxford comma, one single comma, the plaintiffs ended up winning a $6 million judgment because of this one missing comma. The judge basically said it was confusing. Uh, We did not know exactly what it means. So he ruled in favor of the plaintiffs and basically in so many words said if that comma was there and it would have clarified everything, we probably would have found in favor of the defendants. But one singular Oxford comma cost this company six million dollars. So. The points of these contracts is 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 huge. Um, what you put in there. So when you're doing a contract, whether you're a celebrity or not, does not matter. Always remember, what I sign today can affect me five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. Don't underestimate what can happen to you in the future if you sign the wrong contract. If you have the wrong clause in there, you know if there's exclusivities. If there's non-competes. A lot of these things can affect what you can and can't do even after you are done with the contract. So, pay close attention to that. If you have questions, feel free to contact us, uh, attorneysofchicago.com. We'll be more than happy to sit down with you and go over it. But any more cool contracts I run across or find, I'll definitely post them on my social media. Hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.